Is it a slow news day? Or is the media just obsessed with the whole Donald Trump says he'll walk away from the talks if we don't get what we want? Yeah, no freaking kidding. Now, why is that a story? I don't understand. Funny you should ask that. As I was driving in this morning, I was contemplating, wait a minute, is this actually the first slow news day? Maybe it is. We're obsessing over uh, old Trump developments, the Playboy gal, the I bunny. Do wanna, I do want to talk about that. Her settlement. that We're, we're flogging the Southwest uh, airplane thing. To maybe, me, a lot of it's grief, porn, horror, porn. On the other hand, inspecting jet engines is important. And we maybe it is it. the first slow-ish news day in a very, very long time. Well, coming up, great story. David J. Lynch of the WAPO is going to talk about Chinese electronics and the growing concern. Thank goodness the concern is growing. That the Chinese government, which has its hand in everything, is uh, is uh, got the fix in, and they're designing some of the electronics we're buying so that the Chinese government can infiltrate our devices. Right. And you know how important our devices are. Well, more on that coming up. Leave you to yeah. your own devices. Why wouldn't they? So, listen, uh, before we get to that, I uh, came across this. Uh, alert listener Ken sent this along. This is uh, a guy, Brian Sharp, who goes by the name of Hotep Jesus on Twitter. I don't know what his act is exactly, but um, he's a black man. And he goes into a Starbucks, and I think what unfolds is pretty clear from the audio. Um, it's there. There's kind of a, a few slow moments in the middle, and I'll explain what's going on. But it's worth hanging with, uh, at least for a couple of minutes. Here, here he is going into a Starbucks. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. I heard y'all was racist, so I came to get my um free coffee. Yeah, I heard you guys don't like black people, so I wanted to get my Starbucks reparations not voucher. Not What's that? Is that a real thing? It's a real thing. I mean, I'll give it to you. I, yeah, I saw that on my Twitter last night. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I need, I need a free coffee. I'll give you a free coffee. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is justice. So the two cute little white baristas are desperate to comply. Sure. This is justice. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> the ju- great customer service. Now, the justice... Yeah, are- I was reading that and I was like, there is no way. No way. Absolutely. The justice now unfolds as they ask him what flavors he'd like in his coffee reparations. Could you imagine? Never here. Yeah. We just throw some milk in it. Sure. What kind? Uh, whole. Yeah. Reparations, yeah. man. Gotta get my reparations for being black in America. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter. What? Do you have any flavors? Black lives do matter, she says. I'll take caramel. Well, this, this is great. I, this juxtaposition was my favorite. Hang on a second. Flavors in it, we got caramel. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Matter. Black lives do matter. What? Do you have any flavors in it, we got caramel, hazelnut? I'll take caramel. caramel. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter. Do you want some flavors in it? We have hazelnut, caramel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, she's in a terrible position. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I just I found his act to be hilarious, and his sense of humor and irony and the rest of it. Um, I just thought it was cute. Hey, we, we had a reporter on yesterday, and we gave full uh, recognition to the possibility. Of at least that Starbucks 
them being way too quick to assume that anybody there that's black is a criminal. All right. We gave that the reporter especially. Yeah. And we let her go on and on with uh, with laying out the way it is in that hood that black people are stopped more often, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I would like to at least give this side of the possibility. If you're in a business and you want to use the bathroom and they say you have to buy something, spend a dollar fifty, buy a cup of coffee and use the effing bathroom. Yeah. There's that option, too, you know. That's what I've done my whole life. If I want to use the bathroom and you have to be a customer, I'll spend a whole dollar fifty so I can use the bathroom. That option also exists. Correct. Absolutely true. Good Lord. Not a, not a difficult situation to, situation to work yourself out of if you really want to use the bathroom. Spend a buck and a half. I really got to pee. Let's go ahead and order. Of course, you know... It, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know these guys, as we've said a hundred times. I don't know who brought toot, who brought anger, who brought what. I have no idea. And nobody's talking about it. I will tell you this. I know people of color who are the most wonderful just people I know. I also know people who look for racism every single second in every single interaction. And listen, we've had bosses, coworkers, whatever, be dicks to us through our, our entire career because I'm white, I know it's not a racial thing. People are just dicks sometimes. So I don't know whether they thought, okay, it's a racial thing. I'm going to make a stand, a brave stand, where the person had been chewed out the other day for just saying, look, you can't have, let people use the bathroom unless they're customers. So they're just standing on that principle. We just don't know. No, but, well, Starbucks is making a political move at this point by oh, yeah, shutting down their sh- stores all across America. But Plus I the coffee reparations. I don't think there's a national business in America that has better customer service than Starbucks that bends over more backwards to make customers happy than Starbucks. So, for you know, I don't know what to expect out of them. I think that's part of the reason why the CEO is making such a big play out of this is because, you know, that's the service thing. is so important yeah. to their brand. They're, sure. they're huge on the customers always, right? But you don't get to use the bathroom without buying something. So, listen, I'm looking at the pile, pile of emails we got when we were talking about uh, the tourism uh, heavyweights of San Francisco are finally starting to rise up and say to the uh, unicornian uh, brain trust of the city that, listen, the fact that the city is dangerous, it's scary, it's strewn with poo, the rest of it, it's killing tourism. We're having giant conventions canceled. This is a serious problem. So we brought that up, and just the amazing response, um, examples and testimony and, and uh, all sorts of stuff. But the one thing we, we need to do is apologize for San Jose. Um, Aaron writes, guys, homeless and filth is in the entire bay, not just San Francisco. I live in San Jose, and the problem is just as bad as it is in San Francisco. So I'd like to apologize for San Jose for suggesting that it is not bum and poo strewn. You've done your best, San Jose, and I say well done. It's tough being the little brother to the big city. I know. The um, uh, Yeah, when conventioneers start uh, saying to, you know, when they're asked, how did you like the convention? And they say, well, I was scared walking out of my hotel room. I was scared walking to a restaurant. I stepped in human poo. Well, then the conventions will stop coming, and then I assume something will change. Last Saturday, while playing in my backyard with my three kids, little kids, I had to chase a guy out of my side yard who was smoking and getting ready to shoot up. Five minutes later, I found him in a neighbor's bushes getting ready to start again. 
A friend just visited the city last weekend with his wife and teenage daughter, said he'd never come back to the city. His his, uh, note, and I quote, I had no idea how big your problem is in San Francisco. We're just wandering around, ended up in probably the scariest area I've ever walked through in all my travels, including post-collapse Albania. Hordes of people stumbling and walking around, harassing us as we went. It's very scary needles, people shooting up, uh, urinating, human feces. Very similar to what I saw when visiting Saigon in 2002. Wow. Crazy. And like I say, that's, that's one of many that we got. Yeah, well, California has more of it than anywhere else in the country by far, and then particular areas of California really highlight that. Um, I remember, who did the story originally? Was it 60 Minutes? Somebody that the cell towers the Chinese were uh, making for us, they quite possibly had put devices into that they could shut them down. Mm -hmm. Uh, It turns out there's a lot more electronics than that. Correct. David J. Lynch of the Washington Post on that story coming up. Scary. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Chinese are spying on us. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, so glad to hear you've come along. You know what? I am unperceptive. There you are. Cutting edge was the term that leapt to my mind. Uh, please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, David J. Lynch of the Washington Post. He's a financial writer covering trade and globalization. And in this case, uh, definitely dabbling in counterintelligence issues. Mr. Lynch, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Fine and dandy. So listen, I, Joe Getty, co-host of the show, um, have long been friends with uh, folks from the FBI and uh, former agents and that sort of thing. And I was hipped a long time ago to the fact that there are Chinese agents from coast to coast in all 50 states. um, And they're looking for a standard, you know, political military intelligence, but a hell of a lot of industrial intelligence as well. Um, so I was gratified to see this story about, um, well, why don't you tell us about Chinese uh, electronics and software and the concern uh, thereof? Sure. It, it's really as, as simple as the fact that it's almost impossible these days to buy a smartphone, a computer, a printer, a router, anything electronic that doesn't come from or pass through a Chinese factory at some point, uh, right? Think of all the stuff you've got in your house. If you you go home and turn it over, it's going to say made in China in there somewhere. And to the extent that the Trump administration and some others here in Washington are growing more concerned about China's long-term ambitions and development, uh, the worry is you know, hey, is the government paying enough attention, enough attention to the stuff it's buying for government offices? Uh, and if it's not paying enough attention, what are the potential downside risks? Well, do we have any examples of uh, electronics that are made in China that we, we've figured out that the Chinese have either the ability to shut them down or spy on us or anything like that? 
Well, there, there's certainly been cases where the government has, has belatedly uh, gotten worried about stuff they've bought. Several years ago, the State Department bought a bunch of computers from Lenovo. Uh, and when concerns were raised, uh, I think uh, the State Department then decided to make sure those computers were kept off of any uh, any classified network. And there's certainly ample evidence of uh, Chinese uh, cyber spying and cyber attacks on the U.S. There was a, a famous case with the Office of Personnel Management, which sounds like a very dull, boring government office, but they've got everybody's uh, most sensitive personal records. If you've applied for a government job or been considered for a government job, uh, going back years, 22 million records were hacked a couple couple years ago, uh, and that attack was attributed to the Chinese. So there's 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 plenty of evidence of uh, of that sort of thing going on, and so it's. Uh, to the people at the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission uh, who, who sort of highlighted this issue, uh, this issue of, of what they're calling supply chain risk uh, sounds kind of boring and prosaic, but it could have you know very serious consequences. Well, and to Jack's question, and I'm no computer expert, it does occur to me that routine updates of firmware, drivers, etc., um, could absolutely be the vehicle the vector for something nasty, you know, in the future. You just build in the ability to do something, but it's completely latent until you send the the message you need to update your software, and then you you trigger it. Yeah, it's a growing concern, and and it's not not that there's no attention being paid to this. It's that, you know, as is often the case in the government, you've got sort of a stovepipe approach where one agency is, going about it one way, another agency might be doing a, a, a terrible job, a third agency might be doing a mediocre job, and there's no consistency, and there's no central authority uh, whose job it is to make sure this is, is being done, that there's some uh, effort to ensure or guarantee the security of the stuff that's being bought. And so one of the recommendations in this study that we reported on this morning is that Congress designate somebody in the government, maybe the General Services Administration or more likely the Department of Homeland Security, uh, to be responsible and then uh, be accountable if something goes wrong. You know, uh, we don't we don't look at China as a foe the way we did the Soviet Union for a lot of good reasons, but they're 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 hell bent on taking over the world. <laughs> we all know that, and I mean, back in the day. We wouldn't have thought it, oh, it makes perfectly good sense to have all our electronics made in the Soviet Union, and we won't worry about what they've done with them. I mean, we would have never done that. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I would take issue with, with your conclusion that that they may be hell-bent on taking over the world. But I think you're on to exactly the core of, of the problem and the difference. You know, I'm old enough to remember the Cold War, uh, and, and you're exactly right. You know, back in the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was nothing like the sort of commercial relationship we have with China going on between the U.S. and the Soviets. There were two completely different worlds. And uh, to, in that sense, it was kind of easy. You, you know, you just didn't buy stuff from the Soviets. They didn't have anything to sell anyway, uh, but you didn't buy stuff, and you didn't let them buy your stuff. So it's kind of uh, weird that we have a, uh, you know, somebody that's, that they, well, they are hell-bent on over, the eclipsing us economically, no doubt. Certainly bending um, the world to their will, of and, course. And yeah. uh, controlling their part of the world, the waters and all that. We all know, we all know those stories. Um, it's pretty interesting that you have so many financial dealings with that 
that foe. And so many vested interests who hate the idea of ever punching him in the nose. And the Soviet yeah. Union didn't hold so much of our debt. So it, it's, 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 it's an interesting situation. It, it's a completely interesting situation. And, that, and that's, you know, everything you've just said illustrates why it's so complicated to take action, because there are vested interests or constituencies that, you know, don't don't want to cut off the relationship entirely. And it, it would be impractical. I mean, if we if we decided today, uh, rightly or wrongly, that, gee, the Chinese are, are the biggest threat we face, we can't have anything to do with them. Well, you know, GM makes more money in China than they do in the United States. And I didn't know that. Apple's, I did not yeah. know that. That's amazing. All of Apple's stuff is built over in China, largely. So, you know, it, and, and you rightly say, they hold a lot, a lot of our debt. Now, that doesn't necessarily give them a hammer over us, because that debt is an asset to them. They don't want to crush the value of that asset. they got a lot of money tied up in our debt. So it's sort of a mutual, you know, it, it, the two of us are, are sort of trapped together in a way. And uh, and I think what, what you're seeing with the Trump administration is sort of the the beginning of an effort to rethink the relationship. Uh, You know, the president's used very sharp language about China's economic aggression. He's called them a hostile economic power. This is not the kind of language that's been used in previous administrations, Republican or Democrat. I think the term is frenemies, David, according to the youngsters who've lived in my house recently. Uh, Well, you may be uh, more more in tune with the the youngsters (laughs) than I am. In the parlance of today's youth, David J. Lynch is with the Washington Post, previously the Financial Times. He was the cybersecurity editor of Politico and has many, many credentials that are very impressive. But, uh, David, in the minute or so we have left, uh, back to your cybersecurity days, which you're obviously still interested in. How would you, in a couple of uh, sentences, characterize the current state of the U.S. government's cybersecurity? Uh, you know, probably as bad as anybody else's. Uh, I, I doubt that anybody has really got this problem solved. I mean, other governments, uh, It's this is a world uh, globally of incredible vulnerability, and I don't think people have fully taken on board the uh, the implications of that. Mm, until there's a major event, I don't think people will. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, David J. Lynch of the Washington Post. David, can't tell you how much we enjoyed the chat. I hope we can do it again. Absolutely. Thanks a million. Until some country shuts down some other country's entire grid or something like that, nobody's ever going to take this seriously, I don't think. Right. The doctrine exists that a cyber attack is uh, an act of war. Should be. But, you know, you can have doctrine, but if nobody feels it in their gut, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Uh, A gold star for Mr. Lynch, by the way. God, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrific, terrific reporter. Uh, Yeah, you know, it was funny, I... I asked him, can you characterize the uh, cybersecurity effort in a couple of sentences? Um, I would say frantically and haphazardly trying is what I've heard. So is the state of uh, computers and stuff that the the people who want to hack into you are just better than the people that want to stop you, stop hackers? Yeah. It's just there's just a... It's like offense is better than defense right now. In that they're constantly redesigning the offense, and the defensive coordinators have to see it once or twice, then realize, oh my god, now they're you know shooting the ball out of their butt to the uh, the the fullback. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much better or worse, but they're just always one step ahead because yeah. you have to know what they're doing in order to stop it. I wonder if there's any changing now. We'll have to talk to somebody about that. What's coming up in your news? Well, the Senate firing up a bill to protect Special Counsel Mueller from getting fired, mm. and a California University professor's comments about the death of Barbara. Bush now getting national attention. Oh boy. Stories coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Outrage! (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
millennials, what institutions you have trust in? Interesting poll. Huh. International House of Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> now that's an institution. Because they bring people together. My uh, youngest is always wanting to countries. <laughs> my youngest is always wanting to go to IHOP. Ever since we did the all you could eat pancakes. Right. They like to see how many they can eat. The fact that French toast can coexist with Danish waffles, I just think is beautiful. <laughs> Danish waffles is that the Belgian wa- Belgian, Belgian waffles? Belgian waffles. Belgian, yeah. yes. A Danish sorry, is yeah. completely different. I couldn't yeah. pay attention to the whole class. <laughs> Get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, the Senate Judiciary Committee is now considering a bill to shield special counsel Robert Mueller from getting fired. The bipartisan bill, a response to growing speculation that President Trump may move to get rid of Mueller. Now, when pressed again yesterday on whether or not he actually plans to fire Mueller or Deputy Attorney uh, General Rod Rosenstein, Trump told the reporters... They've been saying, I'm going to get rid of them for the last three months. Four months, five months, and uh, they're still here. I read a that's con- a good point, actually, Marshall. I read a convincing uh, column a while back on why you don't want to take away from the the president the ability to fire a special counsel, part of the balance of the the, the three branches. Mm-hmm. That made a pretty solid argument to me that how the Justice Department could uh, could really overrun the executive branch if a president didn't have the ability to to fire one of these people if they had to. Right. It would obviously be very controversial, oh, sure. but well, in our system, that's fine. We'll deal with it. And... Yeah, I, I don't want to take that right away from the president. I want to take it away from Donald Trump. Right, but it doesn't work that way. Dang it, you partisan <laughs> bitch. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, uh, yeah, it, not enough attention is given to... And James Comey pointed this out. The ability to remove somebody through an election. Right. In, in Congress, it's every two years. Yep. And with the president, it's every four years. It's not that long. It was funny. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, one of your MSNBCers this morning was talking about uh, the move that Marshall brought up. And, right. And how if uh, Trump fired Mueller, it could potentially bring a constitutional crisis. And it's can somebody define constitutional crisis for me? Exactly. Well, you know, I, somebody loses Clause 3. I mean, for instance, that would be a constitutional crisis. I don't remember what it said. What is, how many houses of Congress? I can't remember. Yeah. I, mean, I, just, I don't believe in that anymore. As, as I've been talking about, I've been taking in a ton of Watergate stuff. Right. I've just gone d- down this wormhole of Watergate documentaries and become fascinated by them. God, the G. Gordon Liddy stuff is so oh, entertaining. Yes. But um, that wasn't even a constitutional crisis. It all worked perfectly well. Right. It's not going to happen. Lines were crossed and, 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 you know, hands were slapped and people were kicked out of office. And See, thank God for the free press at that time, my friends. Well, well yeah, yeah. Sure. that. Yeah. Which we have and it's yeah. not going oh, away. Spades. Yeah. And, and the other branches of government have the power to do what they need mm-hmm. to do. It was under no threat whatsoever. Right. Even during Watergate, so I'm not worried about it at all. Listen, if you loathe Donald Trump personally or his policies or whatever, you want him out of office, impeachment, blah, 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 you have that right, and God bless you for it. I will defend your right to say that. Um, I may disagree, but that's fine. The one thing that bothers me, though, about this whipped-up, hair-on-fire, constant state of crisis coverage from the MSNBCs of the world is it's profoundly insulting to the strength of this brilliant, brilliant system we have. As Jack pointed out, we've faced... Executives gone mad and firing special prosecutors and people retiring en masse and the rest of it. And it worked out great. Justice was done. The dictator couldn't dictate. 
is heaved out of office, humiliated, and we moved on to the 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 accommodating and, and calming Jerry Ford, and and it just it, it worked great. This, the the United States Constitution may be as underrated as anything that's ever been produced by mankind for all the attention it gets. We're gonna be okay. You know, remain vigilant. Do your marches. Call your congressman, etc. But in the immortal words of the crook and moron Janet Napolitano, the system works. A story getting national attention now has the president of a California college expressing deep concern over a professor's comments about the death of former First Lady Barbara Bush. Fresno State President Joseph Castro says... Professor Randa Jara's personal view runs contrary to the university's core values. Jara had posted on Twitter that Mrs. Bush was an amazing racist who raised a, raised a war criminal. She then added, I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of her family to fall to their demise the way a million and a half Iraqis have. Why would you want anybody to work for you who says that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, you know what's funny is, uh, uh, you know me, America's colleges are awash in insane, insane far lefties. I mean, communists. And, you know, they are touting an ideology that killed hundreds of millions of people. But for some reason, Americans don't seem to care about that. On the other hand, if this chick loathed the Iraq War that much and she hates the Bushes that much... You know, she gets to say that. Whether you want to continue her to employ her yeah, or not is up to you. I don't want anybody working for me to take that tone. Yeah, she's obviously an angry nut. Well, when somebody warned that she could lose her job over the tweets, Jara answered, I work as a tenured professor. I make 100 k a year doing that. I will never be fired. Well, that that's was a douchey thing response. to say. <laughs> Fresno's Touting your salary, baby? <laughs> I don't care what you think of the Bushes. That's uncool. Fresno State officials now saying uh, that Jara and her remarks and the entire incident are now under review. And oh. and again, if somebody had opinions that extreme but they were on the conservative side, how long would they last? They'd be gone now. Long gone. Yeah, the, the imbalance on college camp I is just inexcusable and horrible. Ex-Playboy model who alleged Trump's affair reaches a settlement with Inquirer publisher. That is the headline. Oh, God. The former... So this is the other hottie. Karen McDougal. And they had an actual relationship. Ten months long. And they were... uh, Allegedly. She claims that uh, she and Trump were saying they love each other and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, as opposed to the Stormy Daniels, this one seems at least some sort of feelings were caught, or at least on one side it it seemed that way. Well, he took her to the apartment, allegedly. I, I just I don't I don't get the whole you were in love and now you're going to sell your story to someone I, that that just seems so trashy well, to me. That seems charming and old fashioned to me compared to you were in love with someone then you sold your story but now you realize it's worth more money right. so you want to go back on the contract and resell it. Now that is a charming charming tale of women's empowerment and free speech which is the way it's being pitched. Hilarious. So if you fall in love with somebody who becomes important and it could uh, be worth anything you sell your 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 tales of, of your relationship. That's just yep. I Including the sexy stuff, especially the sexy stuff. Yes, but what happens if whoever buys your story doesn't publish it and spikes it, and then your story never gets out? You sold 
Although she claims it was love. Oh, I think it was a real relationship. Yeah. I just don't get the aftermath where you try to profit from it. I think that's incredibly, it's just unethical. You're just a bad person. She's a bad person. Uh, point of order, uh, Mr. Chairman. When did this allegedly take place? Which part? The, the selling of the affair. story or the, the love, love affair? affair. This was, was it 06? It was, in, it was in the Stormy Daniels well, area, right? Because it was yeah. right after yeah, Barry's was after story. the Stormy thing. So, so this is caused. like 06. Yeah. So that is when he was merely 62 years old and she was in her 20s, but they were in love. And he's a billionaire. Okay. All right. I plan on cutting this off in my own personal life by I never plan on becoming important. <laughs> um, That's a good precaution. She, I, you are important, I, I Sean. To, I Everybody's to, important. I have to be very careful here. Yeah. I know someone... Who has lived a similar lifestyle always seems to uh, date very, very wealthy men, like extraordinarily wealthy. Uh-huh. Sometimes forty years their senior or thirty-five. Um, they're usually older, but that's okay. the age. The age doesn't have anything to do with it. It's okay. the wealth, mm-hmm. and is always convinced that she is in love with them. They're usually married, um, and for whatever reason, doesn't occur that to her as a. Uh, uh, um, I'm so going to get myself in trouble here. No, it's okay. We're it's tracking right. with it. it. Doesn't, yeah, she <laughs> is in love with them. Yeah. She, she's hot right. and young. Yeah. It doesn't occur to her that perhaps they are only interested in her because she's hot and young. She thinks they're in love. She honestly believes that. I've seen it in her eyes. Well, I think so. She believes that they're in love. Uh, well, and I don't think it's an unknown quantity, and I don't know this person, but. You know, plenty of women use the expression, your picker is broken. There are women who see the watch and the car and whatever and convince themselves that this they're is, really crazy for this guy and yeah. he's a great guy. In this case, it's not be the, the plane and the yacht. I mean, these are right. crazy rich people. Well, okay, oh, fair enough. As, as many guy has fallen for a beautiful face and a shapely body... And said, she's a great gal, He's, even as their friends are desperately trying to tell them, she's a witch, right. dude. Her wardrobe is on fire right now. I'm, I mean, I, you know, and I'm never going to get involved, I mean, or say anything, but I mean, what I'm, I'm always thinking, I'm thinking, you think he doesn't have someone similar to you in every other town on the planet as he's flying around? Hmm. Really? Okay. Which has turned out to be the case a number of times. Right. So she may not be conniving, getting back to the playboy well, yeah. gal, the playboy or, bunny or, gal. Or you're letting your wishes be the father of your thoughts to yeah. an extent that is yeah. just amazing. That's what I was driving at. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. In this case, your wishes are the hot, hot playmate of your thoughts. So I guess my point is, so oh, at yeah. the time, she honestly believed, I guess, yeah. this woman, yes. the Trump woman. Yeah. McDougal, is that yes. her name? McDougal, that she Karen was in McDougal. love, but man, it goes away pretty quickly when the relationship ends, and then you just get back to commerce, I guess. Well, I was in love, but and this will be really damaging to the person I, in theory, love, but I can profit from it, so I'm going to go ahead and sell my story. Even though it's really tawdry and talking about your sex life to the <laughs> press right, right. is just really, really beneath anyone, but that's what I'm going to do. And then when it becomes even more valuable, that's when I'll demand to be let out of the contract <laughs> to resell it. So I don't know at what point you're fooling yourself about what. I don't know. It's complex. I just know casting this as some sort of women's empowerment issue of truth is hilarious yeah interesting so i guess we'll hear a whole about this sexual get together at some point she'll be talking she'll be on 60 minutes 
telling us what she was wearing and how many times. Yes! Um, Did she watch Shark Week? (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Inspiring scientists have developed a robot that can assemble a chair from IKEA almost as fast as a human. A robot can assemble a chair from IKEA almost as fast as yeah. Yeah. Sadly, in the process of assembling it, the robot has a huge fight with his wife. That's the big problem. <laughs> you, you, you lost the little wrench. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I missed the first part of that joke. Ah, it's a robot, Jack, that can assemble furniture from Ikea faster than humans. Oh, I heard that. So, two and a half days. <laughs> uh, that I thought that's where he was going with the punchline, but I liked his even better than mine. Got a funny text about the uh, playmate who now can finally tell her story. Yeah, this is about telling the truth. Is it? This is about her <laughs> truth. Rich people can't silence Americans, or I don't know, how's that? that... (laughs) Well, rich people can't make you sign agreements, you... If they offer enough money, they can... Or, I don't know, I'm still trying to put this together. I will be silent on any topic for (laughs) $130,000 right now. That was Stormy Daniels' money. How much did this other gal make? I don't care. You name the topic, I will never utter another word on it publicly for 130 Gs. Taking offers now. We got this text. At least now McDougal can go back to running her chain of knockoff fast food restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> I found that humorous. McDougal's, I'm loving this. <laughs> Mayor McCheesy. Yeah, oh boy. The ham criminal. Gronus. <laughs> the ham criminal. Oh my! Speaking of heating, oh my God! I was just walking the halls, stressing about my dumb dog. My dumb dog is actually a very smart dog, but it, we had to take him to the vet because he's having digestive problems. They X-ray him, and his gut looks like we're feeding him gravel. So, uh, question: Yes, are you feeding him gravel? No question. No, okay. a certified dog food. Actually, right now we're serving him uh, fresh-made uh, California rice and chicken breast. Because, uh, well, A, it'll help the inflammation in his gut, and the rice combined with this drug we're giving him binds up the stuff that's in his gut, so he poops it out. So he, you know, in in effect, he goes dump truck and, and, and gets rid of the load of gravel or whatever he's eaten, which I think is some of the landscaping stuff we have. But so, Judy's, we're, here's what we're supposed to do. He used to run around the yard chasing lizards and cavorting all day. He was the happiest dog ever. But now, because he's doing this, we got to, like, follow him around like we're prison guards. And occasionally, he'll sniff, sniff, then he looks to be nibbling something. No! No! And that's it. I don't have a dog for that purpose. I don't want to be the dog's prison guard. Mm. You know, I want to train him and play with him and be a companion with him and run around with him and the rest of it. So what the hell are we going to do? The vet says, well, you can't. You just can't have him outside unless you're supervising him all the time. I'm like, oh, God. That's pretty unrealistic. Dog's on house arrest. Well, yeah. that's, so I guess i got to go around and vacuum up all the landscaping materials in the yard that he might gobble on. I just, oh, for God's sake. Ugh. 
<laughs> muzzle him all the time. Or feed him so much that he doesn't want to eat anything. I don't think you can do that with a dog. He weighs 70 pounds. I'm going to get him up to about 210. <laughs> and see if it... Here, nibble now, huh? Oh, I'm too full, Joe. You're right. I do think you're right on that, Jack. I think because they're like scavengers by nature, they just eat as long as I there's food there. I think dogs like cattle. I think you could founder a dog, couldn't you? <laughs> what does that mean for those of us who haven't dealt with cows, well, like, except like, on a plate? Like cattle can eat so much food that they just like they go down and... They don't recover. And they can't get up again. I've yeah. See, that. I was completely unfamiliar with that concept till you explained it to me 20 years ago. Or yeah, whatever. some animals will just, if, because like cattle are, you got to keep eating all day long grass to barely get enough to survive. Well, right. They would eat until they died. Yeah. I think dogs would do that, too. Yeah, obviously Baxi would. I mean, it, he's already caused himself a fair amount of distress. And again, flatulence on a level that I cannot even describe. (laughs) Entire rooms of the house that are no-go zones. I mean, you walk in and you think... You think you gotta call the utility company and run out and don't use any light switches or lightning matches. or It's suffocating. Nikki Haley has been talking about the gas attack. (laughs) Hard fart primary. So, obviously, that's not good. I wish I'd have bought Netflix stock a couple of days ago, but I didn't. That coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.